Statistics on this film. Levitated by the human touch. Antonio's galloping forward. Here's the pass. Antonio's through. Chance to fall. What a goal! What a brilliant strike by Mikel Antonio! Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knees Up Mother Brown podcast. I am joined as ever by the two little elves that keep Santa's workshop going. Jack Elderton and Callum Goodall. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are we? I ain't got time to keep Santa's workshop going, not with all these games. <laughs> no, no, the Christmas the Christmas period is busy for elves, but it's busy for football fans too. It's, there's barely a day goes by it feels. Uh, we are coming to you not long after uh, well, another famous win, I suppose you'd call it, against Chelsea. So there may be a little bit of excitement in the air, but things are going here as usual. If you'd like to get in touch, all correspondence can be sent to any of these options. The email address, which is podcast at kumb.com although there, there may be some issues with that at the moment so if you have sent it figure in the week i've not set it up very well so i am going to need someone to look at that for me but i did need to mention that there's also the oh, we're just ignoring thread. you we're just <laughs> yeah i mean i i have t- sent my own email as a check just in case just i didn't want well, it could just be that no one cares so i best send my own um there's also the thread on the website kumb.com in the general discussion area and twitter as ever the boss will get those kumb.com all letters all words no punctuation um i suppose we should start with chelsea and before we crack on i do have some words that i'd like to add in uh this is pre-match in our chat um on twitter in our messages before just in case these two these two geniuses are gonna feel too both of this obviously hope it works but also thinks Moyes could do without encouragement on this system that was jack three five two three four one two same thing hasn't worked and we've tried it three question marks times already yet to win with it against much weaker opposition and also genk rinsed us with this system Genk, wonder what Chelsea will do. It's not all Jack, though. There is cow, so I would not have predicted that level of fuckery, and you can beep that if you want. And even me, I said <laughs> there's some proper fear management again. And so, uh, you know. We were really positive, after- pretty much. We yeah, really, yeah, we, were, we could be yeah. clever after the fact. We, uh, we weren't so much before, so. Although Jack did, did predict this a week ago, to be fair to him. Yes, thank I'm, you for the... <laughs> I've got my comeback in first. (laughs) (laughs) I really knew what I was doing there. Um, Before anything tactical, I suppose, we should just look at genuine fan reaction. Uh, You were there, Jack. What a day. It was brilliant. I mean, it's kind of funny because there was quite a long period of the game where Chelsea were managing things quite well, um, but they were really quiet. Their fans were really, really quiet. And then from the second goal or the equaliser for 2-2 onwards, it's fantastic atmosphere in there really great atmosphere um and it's you know we've had a couple of those this season now which is really lovely that there's this connection between the the players and the fans and um i'm you know it, it certainly doesn't feel like home but it's starting to feel like something i can you know tolerate and enjoy and i'm starting to really you know it's starting to be a really positive experience going down to the ground um which i wouldn't thought i would be saying you know two years ago uh so yeah really really fantastic there no that is definitely new i think a lot of people are this season I mean you may argue maybe all it ever needed was success and for some memories to be built for it to work but at least the fans are back into it maybe it's that break away from football as well um it was a great game to watch wasn't it Callum 
Yeah, loved it. It was also a fantastic atmosphere in my one-bedroom flat. Uh, <laughs> it was raucous. It was stomping. Yeah, man, it was yeah, wicked. The cr- oh, it's gone in! Oh, that's incredible! Masuaku shoots from an impossible angle! Um, there was there was a lot going on in that game, wasn't there? There was a lot going on. We obviously there's a lot of individual performance. Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I think we thought we were going to spend a lot of time talking about Brighton today. And Brighton for what it was, he's going to have to go to the back seat for this because there was so much going on. Moyes, the Moyes masterclass, I guess, Jack. Outstanding. I think by far the best I've seen from him in terms of in-game management. I mean, it's something he's been criticised for so many times. Slowness to respond to things, uh, slowness to make substitutions, slowness to change systems. Today, I don't know how many, I've lost count of how many times we changed system to respond to things that Chelsea were doing. And every time he tried something different, it worked. For a period, we were able to regain control or stop Chelsea from creating in the way that they were able to. So it was magnificent and then to deal with the injuries on top to deal with two mm. injuries to defenders to respond to those uh injuries and make positive changes both times um that really massively impacted the game and turned things in our favor is remarkable thing to see from from Moyes, particularly against i mean a, you know a side like chelsea maybe you'd see that against the burnley or something previously but for him to be that bold in his decision making against chelsea and against one of the best in-game managers i mean this guy's got a huge reputation Tuchel for being one of the best in-game managers in the world if not maybe the best in-game manager um, in the world and I've got Moyes absolutely schooled him today I mean I think I said to you after the game for everything Moyes did right I don't think any of Tuchel's Tuchel's changes worked at all which Uh, other than the I think other than bringing Hudson-Odoi on uh, at left wing yeah. back towards the end which had, did have a really big impact for them and they started creating loads of chances down that side and then that I mean that's again Moyes' reaction to that was perfect to, to then uh, put Rice in at right centre back at the at the end to just stop the the, the supply line down that that flank it was was brilliant to stop it but that was the only change I felt that really worked um, for Chelsea that Tuchel made when it changed, I would, I'd guess, be the injury to Johnson forced a big change in the whole way we played, not just, yeah, not just system-wise, but also the personnel. It changed the dynamics, didn't it? Massively, massively. To bring, I mean, I, I, one of the things we'll talk about in the Brian section is the lack of a left footer on the left side, and to bring uh, a left footer on over there um, really allowed us to to push wing backs higher um, rather than having so much kind of a lopsided um, system, and it allowed us to kind of get Antonio and Bowen closer together because the width would can be supplied by the wing backs then um which you don't really get with johnson playing out at left wing back uh, as much as i love him it, it's not really something he can offer given that he has a left foot but he's so keen to come back on the right side every time that um that you can't really push the wing backs that high in that way and obviously the, the one time we did we actually got punished um for it. it's johnson getting high up was what led to to the to the, the chelsea second um the real thing actually are the are the changes that come um in the second half and the and the decisions particularly around the the blend of the midfield three and how you alter things to be able to press well and also to be able to defend well in in, in a last line sense and then also to counter well all the different tweaks in terms of starting with Lanzini high up then dropping Lanzini in and then Suchek going high up and then Suchek appearing on the right as well in this kind of almost right forward position for, for a period of, of the second half. All these different changes to allow us to attack in different ways and, and also to defend in much more proactive ways than we were in the first half um, massively, massively helped us. So where, what, what, what do you think worked 
best it's hard because obviously we had different changes did different things i think callum if i looked at the period i saw with the 11 personnel that worked best was the 5-3-2 with the wingbacks really pushing on yeah when lanzini yeah. sat i thought that made that lanzini who had a good game looked his best in terms of possession on the ball and that helped us gain some possession Carl. Yeah, hundred percent. That was the one that I'd I'd noted down in my notes as being the most important um, for a number of reasons. Jack's already touched on some, so obviously bringing taking those wingers out and putting Lanzini deeper um, not only afforded us more control in the middle, which is in the first half particularly we were getting overruns probably a bit strong, but we were struggling to con- control the midfield. And I think that's something that we kind of flagged up before is the way their wingbacks play, the way Reese James almost comes in as like an auxiliary central midfielder. It, it makes it difficult because whilst on paper, it looks like you, there's not as many midfielders, you, there's, they sort of flood the middle of the park. And as good as Rice and Suchek are, you're asking a lot of them to be able to control that midfield on their own. So dropping Lanzini in there just gave them more of an outlet when they're trying to, trying to break break through and Lanzini's occupying little holes. But it also meant that uh, Suchek in particular could hassle Jorginho, uh, is that how you say uh, A little bit more, uh, press him more. And he was basically redundant for, for the majority of the game. Like he just did not did not get to do his usual stuff. Um, and then it also meant that uh, the wingbacks, like Jack's already said, were able to go far higher up um, which is something we've said we wanted to see Sufal in the team for is because of his attacking output and, and he sort he flourished in that role today. Um and to be fair to him, even Masuaku, like he one thing he definitely is pretty decent at is getting up uh, when he's allowed some more attacking license and getting up that left side. Uh, and he did that effectively today, obviously sealing it with a pretty fluky uh, or magnificent goal. Uh, and then the other, the final thing I think, which was really important was having Antonio and Bowen closer together because in that first half, when Antonio was essentially operating as a lone striker against those three centre-backs, they didn't really have that much trouble because they could manage him pretty effectively. But when Bowen and Antonio teamed up, their sort of awareness of each other and the the runs, like moving centre-backs away to focus on Bowen's runs then meant Antonio could get in or Antonio um, using his body and strength, uh, again, like going into battle with Christensen or Rudiger or whoever it was, Thiago Silva, meant that they'd be preoccupied trying to handle Antonio, who's obviously a difficult guy to get a rap on, which then invites the opportunity for Bowen to then get in behind, which we saw happen way more in the second half. So I think, yeah, that for me was the most important change for those three reasons. And and they were all so positive. Before I go back to Jack, and I'm going to go to you on the substitutions, I would say, how do you think it affected Zuma's game at the back there? Well, obviously the, the three was a different system, Different fish. Did you think that suited him and that gave his strengths a chance to shine, Cal? Yeah, I think so. I think, like we've said before, since Ogbon has been out, he's kind of being asked to play a role that he's less comfortable in. And the one thing you can do to make someone more comfortable at the back is give them another body to pass the ball to. Uh, <laughs> like He can now look either side and release it and um, kind of recycle possession a lot more comfortably. Whereas previously, he only had Dawson, who, in terms of ball playing it's like you probably don't feel that confident passing the ball to him anyway because he's not renowned for being the most composed in possession um so having both options particularly with Diop as well who is far more comfortable on the ball um I think yeah it it meant that he had a bit more security and at the back today and then again uh well he was off the pitch at that point but Rice kind of came in and offered that security and comfort on the ball when Zuma was off um I really liked how it worked 
when we went to a sort of with when the wing backs were pushed higher with Masuaku on the pitch and the centre backs split a little bit more and you got a much more Zuma versus Lukaku duel that I felt yeah. that we were really I mean he was really winning that I felt mm-hmm. um, and we were conceding quite a lot of crosses into the box but the centre backs were just getting rid of it every time we weren't really conceding chances off of it. Well, yeah, that was one note. I assume made eight clearances, which is about six more than anyone else in the team because he yeah. got to dominate that central space. Yeah, it was really, really good in there, particularly in that period. And, and just to pick up on a couple of things that Cal mentioned, that that three four three system that we went to uh, with the wing backs pushed higher, or three four one two, really, it's hard to it's hard to really clarify what Suchek's role is because you can almost look at it as a three when you're defending. Um, and a sort of 5-3-2, so with Suchek in a three in midfield when you're defending deep. But actually when we're pressing, I mean, the, the, the most impressive thing was taking Jorginho out the game and pushing mm-hmm. and, and, and seeing that actually when we've got the ball, we're struggling to counter effectively because the first phase of possession has got Suchek and Rice in there. And actually there's only one of those that's really got the ability to ping a pass in behind straight away, first touch or second touch. So to put Lanzini in there, which might you might go, oh God, that's not that that you lose all your defensive security by doing that actually what it meant is we could counter really quickly and what also what it meant is when we were pressing Suchek could get right on top of Jorginho almost in this like striker position with Antonio and Bowen split to press the centre-backs and just completely cut Jorginho's supply forward out which then what that forced them to do is it forces Jorginho or the midfielders to go back into the centre-backs and funnel things wide and we love defending crosses we just yeah. absolutely love defending crosses. And it was a problem for a period, particularly after, or in the period just before we scored and then after we scored, it was that the overload with Hudson Odoi was like a bit <laughs> frightening, especially when we went to a 4 2 3 1 after Zuma's injury. Um, but it allows us to defend in the way that we're comfortable and to force Chelsea to play against us in the way that we want them to play against us is so. That's so impressive. You can't understate how impressive that is because they're so good, especially in, with exactly what you're saying about Reese James and build up. And then Reese James, uh, the two inside forwards in that 3 4 two, 2 1 system can drive in off the flanks. And then the wing, our wing backs get drawn with that. It creates the space out wide. And then Reese James is like in acres of space or Alonso on the other side. So, so to force them to stop doing that and to stop doing what they're brilliant at doing and to try and uh, and create chances in another way which actually suits us it's a really remarkable um thing to achieve from a tactical perspective in a game not to set up to do that from the start but to change that in a game and to and to have that much effect with the changes you make is so so impressive the only time i can really think that when we were settled they made one big chance was probably that Havertz header in the first half he had a bit of a free header from a James Cross and that was just a one time the system didn't work everywhere else they didn't really offer any threats having building that pressure I suppose it's the difference to Brighton is that when we tried to force them to do something we we could force Chelsea to do something we didn't seem to be able to force Brighton to do something but on today what what is it that we did that worked when Zuma went off then because that was quite a brave call bringing four hours on I mean we at that point we were playing a three one four two um at the moment that he came off i mean it's another change that we'd gone to for about seven minutes i'd say when that happened we had really positive control of the game i think it was the most comfortable we'd been in the whole match was in this sort of three one four two situation or system with with rice deeper and suchak and lanzini slightly ahead i felt that we had total control of the game so when the zuma injury happens you almost feel tempted to say well stick with a three one four two and slot someone who's not a center back in at center back right 
yeah, so for example, Rice could have gone in there and Suchek could have come back into defensive midfield and then you bring on a, a central midfielder like Kral or Noble or someone to, to, to sit in uh, with Lanzini and to try and replicate what you're doing. To, to, to completely throw that out the window and say, look, we can go to a 4-2-3-1 here and just do what we do really well and what we've done previously really well for a short period against Chelsea and see how that affects the game. It's a, it's a remarkably confident decision to make. Um, at it, that it point changed the game. dynamic of how we played entirely because suddenly we were there was more flooding forward it certainly felt like four nows whether that's because it, it just the change of whatever or the personnel or just because that's how he plays suddenly some of those passes were more dangerous and that I mean, creates the big chance that Bowen nearly gets on with Antonio well down you can the see right. why I'm not much of a fan of the three at the back system because we changed to a four and suddenly we're creating chances all over the shop. <laughs> yeah you know, like four two three one bang now we're creating loads of chances um, and I, by the way four nows was absolutely outstanding off the bench his his first time forward passing was just ludicrous the amount of passes that he was just zipping into space um with his first or second touch just next level thing to be able to do off the bench he is as ever an extremely intelligent player i suppose that shows again when he's coming off the bench to have to make a big big impact in a game like this um is there any we, we kind of a lot ended up at the end with rice at the back which was yeah, well, again, do with that is, channels, I guess. Yes, yeah, again, it's this thing of like, okay, we've 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 changed the system. We're doing really well. We scored the goal. Right now, now I'm going to completely abandon that and go back <laughs> to what we were doing before that let us have so much control. So Fornals did come into a central midfield position. Um, Suchet went back to 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 pressing a little bit more, and Rice um, went in at right centre back to stop um, the supply line down that side with Hudson Odoi. So Sufal can go and engage rather than letting Hudson Odoi take one, two, three touches and, and line up a, across into the box. Yeah. And that that was really I mean you can't underestimate how important that was. It was such a short period of the game. But I can almost I, I obviously I can't assure you, but I was almost certain that Chelsea would have created another chance or would have got an equalizer if we had stayed with the four two three one because of the amount of space that Hudson Odoi was getting. I think as well the crucial part is the timing of the game. It's like he could have it's not just putting a, a, a body back there. There's is putting like probably the most press resistant player in our team at the back at a time in the match where Chelsea are chasing a goal. So they're going to be pressing us way more intensely. So you then counter that intense pressing by putting Rice in there who you're like, his composure on the ball at the back, no matter how deep into his own half, is just ridiculous. Like, I think we've seen it a couple of times, maybe once today and then definitely against Brighton, where he just chips the ball over the opposition player's foot about a yard in front of him and then just dispatches a pass all the way down the field. And to have the audacity to even try that in, in, like, in a game that was as closely balanced as it was and do it effectively, that's exactly why I think he's put him there is because he's almost anticipated the intense pressure and just thought, right, well, who do we want in there if we're going to get pressed like that? Oh, Rice, cool. And it, it worked to an absolute T. Like, there were so many times where he could have just punted it up the field first time, but no, he'd, like, he'd make sure he'd got the, knock the ball out of his feet, get his head up, look which corner of the pitch he wants to pump it into, and then make sure that all the players down there where Antonio's holding it in the corner flag or Bowen's chasing it down, and they've got to restart their phase of possession because they've just got it back to Thiago Silva or whoever who then has to try and get the ball back up the pitch and it was made impossibly difficult for them because Jorginho was being so well well like effectively pressed that he the guy who is usually responsible for bringing that ball up or like finding the passes just couldn't do it yeah, so, yeah masterful and from so, I'm, I'm same for Thornell's dropping into the deeper position 
you know, say exactly the same thing you've just described with Rice, just to have the confidence to turn out and be playing passes forwards rather yeah. than saying, I'm getting pressed really heavily. I'm just going to drop it back into a centre-back. Say, no, I'm going to take on my man or, or, or spin, spin wide. And now I really have to connect the pass because if I don't, we're under loads of pressure. To have the confidence to do that and then to be able to execute it each time is really, really impressive. You're not going to have seen this from inside the ground, but that first goal... It, the the finer details of that cow were tear, hair tearing out kind of anger towards Mikel Antonio on Thiago Silva, really. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like we we discussed in the chat about each, each player's job in uh, defending corners and set pieces. Are you a blocker? Are you a marker? But for me, it's just fundamentals. Like Thiago Silva has had a free run basically, and the ball is perfect height for Antonio to just jump up and nod it away. And instead he's just watched it go over his head and then it's a free header on goal. And like, we've seen Thiago Silva score goals like that before. I think he might have even, I don't know if he scored one against us like that last season, but I'm sure, sure he scored one against someone else. Um, And yeah, it's just like schoolboy stuff kind of, if the ball's coming to you and no one else has headed it before you and you need to get it out, just jump, just jump and get it out. And he didn't do anything. Jack, Jack kind of said, oh, you, you, when we were talking, it isn't his job to be a blocker. And the figures, like, even if he was a blocker, I guess he should be close yeah. to his man and trying to stop. And that's the problem. The problem was that he wasn't, he wasn't even blocking him from getting a header. He was just standing in a space that was near. The f- yeah, near the funniest the thing about the it that I thought was that it was basically a carbon copy of the Harry Kane Antonio uh, goal, where Harry Kane basically did the exact same thing, just refused to jump. And Antonio then got it, got the goal. And now it's like the, the tables have, have turned. <laughs> he was he was doing that. I can't be asked to jump and defend. Uh, and then we got punished for it. We had a horrible first 30 minutes, didn't he, Antonio? Really? Yeah. It was just, you know, that was part of the, the issue is lack of running and, and lack of effort in that first 30 minutes. Um, I obviously, and obviously I, I didn't see that with the goal, but it, it kind of sums up his first 30 minutes if it's sort of not following your man and not jumping. Yeah, it was just non-committal. Like everything was non-committal. He wasn't pressing very well in the first half at all, uh, no. if ever. Well, certainly um, not in the first half hour. Yeah, and his passing was, again, as loose as ever. Again, in the first half hour, it definitely got better in the second half. But yeah, and that that classic sort of the body language thing as well. Like when when... He doesn't press effectively or something, and then he just like flails his arms and kind of just walks back and just watches watches play resume without him. Uh, yeah, it's just very frustrating. From one player up front who's not doing pressing to another who did a lot of pressing and got his absolute reward for it was was Bowen. Although I think it's a little bit unfair. Commentary blames Mendy a little bit. He's given an awful pass, and Bowen is mm. already on him by the time he takes the touch. Um, but he gets the reward for it for the hard work. Few things on this. Um, Antonio deserves credit here because it's, he's the first player to go and press. Yeah. Uh, and this was probably the first time in the game that he did. Um, and it's one of those moments where it's, you're really pleased, but you're also quite frustrated because you think that's what you get if you press. Why don't you do it yeah. all the time? You know, mm. why are you not doing that regularly in games? Why do you go through 90 minutes sometimes without doing that once? You know, that's literally what I've written down once. Yeah, I think that was your... In my notes here, I've put... <laughs> Almost as though Antonio had to be convinced in live action that pressing is actually effective before he decides to do it again. <laughs> I think you'll find this is all theoretical. <laughs> oh, well, what? <laughs> so Antonio goes, right? Then Bowen goes. That creates the first problem. Rice 
follows and that's what one of the things that's great about rice is he reads really well good. when when the press yeah. is starting and, and charges up um and then yeah with the pass back to 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 mendy in the end mendy's just got to pick that up hasn't clear he? it or just i mean do something don't stay on the ball I, I, like I, I, an indirect I, free kick if you have to like, i will give i will mm. give it the defenses because originally you just think oh he could just but his the pass is so bad that he's already got Bowen on him by the time he really gets the ball. Right, but he then right. he does that goalkeeper panic thing where it's well I've I've taken a touch now so I can't just kick it randomly I have to mm. try and play whereas all he really needs to do is just go I'm screwed here and just poke it wide yeah yeah just anything even if it's just a toe away from where you are yeah but, and then he does the thing that goalkeepers then have to do when they lose the ball they do, I have to make a challenge which he didn't <laughs> have to do but if he just as still Bowen would have had to turn around and do something with it yeah um. But you know that is what that is. That's the reward you get for these things. And I thought we were really what was different today is that we did pre- we pressed the goal kicks as well. We forced them to take long goal kicks because we were yeah. brave stepping up on that. And there were times Pressing where they were just standing still. They were just standing still, Chelsea, because they didn't know what to do because we'd done it. And I mean, Mendy lost his head for at least yeah. five minutes, if not if not into the second half. If I, I don't think you can attribute any part of that to the most like goal, unless you're really looking for a tenuous link. And I do love my tenuous links. <laughs> Um, but then Manu steps up and puts that penalty away. Like like you'd actually, you'd, I think if there's a player you were confident in, yeah. I was sitting there going, I hope that's Lanzini picking up the ball. And yeah. I didn't want it to be Rice, who I don't, who granted putting a lovely free kick in the first half. It's great to see him doing that as well and adding about five or six set piece takers we have now who can do it. But composure, and he struck it, he struck it firmly into the corner as well, Cal. Yeah, mate, it was a great finish. I was actually very nervous when I was watching it with my girlfriend. I was like, oh, yes, we've got a penalty. And I was like, oh, who's going to take it? Because we really <laughs> still haven't solved that problem. <laughs> I don't know who it is. But yeah, that's Lanzini was there. And then when he when he had it, I was like, oh, yeah, he's got this. He's, he, and he deserves it. Like, it's kind of, yeah, the, yeah he's, he's just a continuation of his great form. I think just quickly before we move on as well, I think the pressing of the goal kicks, I really hope we carry on doing it because yeah, it does yeah. just make sense. Like, if if you think logically, we're a team who excel on uh, attacking corners. We prefer to defend out wide because we love heading the ball out of the box and we don't really feel danger by it. So if you then force the goalkeeper to take a long goal kick, it basically, like, you should feel confident that you're going to win that ball back because you're so confident that your centre-backs are going to win anything aerially. So you just press up, bring the whole team a bit higher up, get your centre-backs on the halfway line or wherever, and just meet that header and then possession can be recycled. Whereas if we invite them to play it short, that's when we sometimes struggle because teams can quite often find a way to play through our pressing yeah. from the front. What I really like here is that I, I, I wrote about after Brentford, we pressed uh, David Raya um, in the Brentford game and pressed all their goal kicks. And, and, and there it was quite effective, but we used a 3-4-3 to press. And that means that you've got quite a lot of players quite high up the pitch and you leave the back three slightly exposed with not really necessarily the cover they need. If they do win the header, who's actually going to be there to pick up the seconds if they're not able to to, to fight, pick out a teammate with the header, which I think is a bit too much to ask for. Um, so here we slight variation, 3-3-1-3. Three, three, three. So definitely a three with one going to, to, to join. And then that extra three behind, which means if they do go long, actually we've, we've got enough bodies here. We've got a box of six are all matched up in this sort of rectangle shape that means if the ball drops we're going to have more numbers here to get the second ball and also i presume if, you, if you're someone like zoomer who's doing some of those big booming headers you're almost immediately you can almost make a turnover 
to a counter-attack. If you're banging that header up to a, a defense and a, a, your attack that's really high up, they can win that, turn that over, do something quite quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of logic to it. Um, immediately, it felt like, it felt immediately after seeing that. And I actually should mention my favorite moment of the game is Lanzini being an angry boss towards <laughs> Reese James because he tried to put him off during the penalty. I love that. Football always needs that, especially in an under derby. And I, I, I suppose I also didn't mention Jack's one positive message in the uh, pre-game, which was Lanzini loves a London derby, almost question mark, trying to find some positive. He's got another one in a London derby. That record is ridiculous now, really. Um, but I think we lost the second goal because we got a little bit too excited that we just scored a goal would be my feeling and I think the game management and a little bit of emotional maturity was lacking in there especially in Rice and I know I will, I'll come to you Jack for the issues on the left but if I look at that we had probably not as many people back as we usually have when we have a ball in in the central area because Dawson was ahead of the ball for a, some scary reason of <laughs> Dawson <laughs> moving forward with the ball the sensible thing to do there in a tough position is keep the ball having just scored is that is that maybe a weakness we're looking at with Rice? He doesn't quite have the experience to ma- to think about game management all the time, Cal. Or is that very hard? Honestly, I think it was just a bit of a freak incident. Like, if there's one player in our team that I'm so confident on the ball in possession and generally making the right decision, whether it's to pass forward, to pass backwards, to pass sideways, it's it's him. But I think it was just a very momentary lapse in concentration. Um, I saw some people on Twitter actually putting the blame on Suchek because he didn't receive the pass. But I mean, you're asking a lot of him to receive that pass because... I know Rice is our golden boy, but that's just not fair. Yeah, because I I think Dawson was running back, but it was just not a good pass, no. Yeah. Yeah, and then it just invites the break. It comes from that losing, turning over possession, not losing possession, but the way we had turnover possession on the left, Jack. Well, no, for me, I think it's harsh to blame Rice here, or to blame... Uh, kind of game management I think we worked an overload on the left side brilliantly I think that all the build-up play that leads to Johnson having the ball in this free space on the left-hand side with the chance to cross on his left foot is fantastic what happens is Johnson doesn't have a left foot that he's confident enough mm-hmm. in so he turns out and plays a ball back into the middle once you've worked an overload like that Chelsea have drifted across into the central area to try and get across to, to cover the overload. So now they've got loads of bodies in the middle of the pitch. The last place you want the ball to go <laughs> is to be fired right back into the centre straight away. And that's exactly yeah. what he does. And suddenly the two central midfielders have got about four bodies around them. And Rice, the decision Rice should make is to turn around and go, right, I know we spent ages building that attack, but now I'm going to play it back to the keeper and we start again. But actually, he doesn't let go of the fact that we've worked really hard to build that attack. And he tries to maintain yeah. it and keep it going. And that is a, is a really poor decision. But the issue is the systemic problem. And it all comes from, again, not having a left footer on the left side. For as good as Johnson is, if Masuaku's there, I don't love Masuaku, but if Masuaku is there, he either dribbles or crosses on the left foot. And yeah. you get something out of spending ages working the overload. It's it's interesting because I would I would always say if I, if it was a left back choice between Maswaka and Johnson I would go Johnson as a left wing back that seemed like an overly cautious move and one that when the change made you could see how the balance improved in the second half of Maswaka I guess and then the other question I suppose is there's two there's two questions there's Diop's position and the goalkeeper's save I'll go to Issa Diop's best friend Cal first is he, <laughs> is he slightly too tucked in. When the ball's flow, because the the pass to ZH is good. The pass from ZH to Mount is excellent. It's ridiculous. We've got to say yeah. that pass is it's, absurd. It's, it's perfectly floated and perfectly lands to the pace of it. It's lovely. And the finish, because we won't we won't give it enough credit for what it is, 
is an excellent finish, an excellent bit of technique. But should Diop have been managing his left slightly more than the centre? I think so, probably. Uh, in hindsight, it's easy to say that. But I think if you sort of consider all the things, so at that moment in time, we hadn't really realised that Johnson had bust his hamstring trying to run back. So I, I think Diop's probably sort of cautiously in this sort of no man's landy kind of thing, like, oh, shall I go out? Oh, I'm not going to do it yet, just in case. And he probably doesn't also expect that pass to come and be so perfect. So he's probably thinking, oh, I've got a little bit more time. It's fine. Johnson will get back. And then all of a sudden, this absolute worldie of a pass just comes over and just scraps anything that he might have been thinking about that. Johnson obviously doesn't get back in time, and then it gives him acres of space to, to, well, pull out a pretty exquisite well at least very well placed finish um i i think um briefly on this i think it's difficult to say who's at fault because i'd like to say that when johnson pulls up he's got to really be screaming cover 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 cover, cover. yeah yeah yeah. and i I, either diop is deaf or he wasn't screaming at him to, to get across because really when he pulls up he should be absolutely like belting out I'm not getting back. You need to cover the wide space rather than getting narrow. Um, And it's difficult to say if Johnson makes the shout, then it's all the ops fault. If Johnson doesn't make the shout for me, it's all Johnson's fault. The goalkeeper, Jack, I I don't know if you've, you've had much chance to see it back. I haven't. You haven't. So from your first view, what, what were your thoughts from inside the ground? My first view was more about the two defenders and I didn't, I didn't appreciate, um, the the fact that Diop goes narrow, I think even, I think you just got to have the awareness. Sometimes just Diop doesn't have that of of noticing. We're, we're very exposed here. I should probably stick a little bit wide because there's only mm-hmm. one bloke in the middle. So why do I need to drift close? Uh, to zoom? there's just no need for me to be there. I can stick in my zone and mark my zones. That was my main issue. But you were saying something about Fabianski jumping again. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you you said that was picked up by I was about to say Ron Howard, very different man, <laughs> Tim Howard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably didn't swear as much in goal Ron Howard as Tim did, but it was it was him who picked out a jump, a jump and yeah. A... So it was it was the same on both goals actually the first the first goal as well. So he was yes, yeah, he, he was in air when Mount shot in the air when Mount shot came in, which then just means he can't plant his feet which means he can't spring off his feet to get down faster to the corner and, and essentially make a save at his near post. Um, because he was in the air, he didn't have that. And that sort of one second delay means that he just can't quite get his hand far enough into that corner because um, he wasn't actually that far away from the near post in terms of his positioning. It was just because he's sort of literally, obviously it's a, it is a game of seconds and stuff. And it's just that he couldn't Especially have that keepers. propulsion. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, it's it's just one of them things as well. I mean, he's he's been brilliant this season, but, but it's almost just science that as you get older, your reactions get slower and blah blah blah. So it's, he's not helping himself by making these like doing the jumping and stuff, being in the air. He should be doing everything to help himself out, and that is not that is not the right way to set up to save a shot like that. I don't think. Yeah, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, but keepers like to do this. It's not. I mean, he's not jumping, jumping. It's you're just sort of slightly bouncing. Um, and I think what it helps keepers to do, a lot of keepers do it, is to feel like they're ready for something. You know, you're, you're sort of so amped up because you can see a chance is coming. So you bounce to try and sort of get yourself ready to spring. But if you carry on when when the shot's being taken or when the chance is coming to the point of a shot, then you just completely do yourself all ends up because if you're jumping, you've got no chance to set yourself. I would guess the other thing, because people are calling out a thing, it's that old adage, you can't be beaten in the near post, is that I think, I think it's, it's, 
is less and less said now because people you can obviously be in your near post. I would guess my defence for him there is it would I would assume as as percentages go that's the least likely thing that Mount was going to do because you're mainly taught not only are you mainly taught to shoot across goal in situations like that because of your wider area and because of keeper covering, but also you'd expect him to pass because of the weight of the pass and he has tucked it right in his bottom corner. So I. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go either of those goals too critical on Fab. I'm not, I'm not really marking him down as a bad game, Callum. No, I don't think so. Um, it wasn't like he's had better performances recently, obviously, but he, it wasn't terrible. Like they're not, it's not like unforgivable mistakes. It's just poor. <laughs> Look, the thing is, is I, I think you don't, you, you don't mark the keeper for a mistake like that based on whether it goes in or not what you mark the keeper for is jumping when the shot is taken and you just can't do that. I don't, I don't really care if the shot's amazing and therefore goes in and you look at it and say, well, the keeper's not going to save that anyway. I think we said it before with a free kick. Was it Trent's free kick? Um, and he was jumping and it was like, well, he's had no chance to save it. Fair play, but still don't jump because you've given yourself yeah. no chance by doing that. Bad habits that will come back to haunt you, I suppose, isn't it? And there will be moments maybe today where you you might be able to pull off a save that was difficult if you don't have the bad habits for me. Well, exactly. He's, at least he's given himself a chance yeah, if, yeah. if he's flat on the ground. Well, that's their goal. You know, at that point, 2-1, and it felt very deflating conceding that second goal yeah. just before halftime. But having just got back into the game, we adjust, we build on, and the second goal, our second goal, that was, I mean, that was fantastic, Jack. It's a wonderful finish. It's a wonderful finish from from Bowen, and I just like that. It's all, all the things that have changed, kind of Suchek going up, um, getting in the mix to for us to be able to go long when we need to, uh, um, and then Sufal just uh, very. It's, I mean, it's a very simple assist, but Antonio and Sufal combining the spaces that they're occupying, and then it just opens up the room for Bowen to to take a touch and, and shoot. Well, it's everything we said about Sufal before. He he Johnson probably wouldn't be there because Sufal he when he commits. There. He commits and he yeah. was in the area committing. I'd also like to point out it was probably the first time I thought Antonio had really, just before that, to get the ball to Suchek, he'd gone, he'd bullied down the left, he cut in and laid off, and then he carries on his run like a straight. His energy levels were up. Something had happened, whether it was a conversation at half time, whether it was just Bowen being there to change where his positioning was. But he. No, Beast I think goes. it's all that he pressed and then he realised, actually, yeah. if I run about, it actually works, doesn't it? <laughs> Beast, it certainly felt like a return of the old beast mode Antonio, didn't it? I mean, the other thing is Bowen's, Bowen's instinctive finish, Callum, is it's, it's far, far removed from midweek European games or the Brighton game where he didn't look like a finisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, well, it's what we talked about on the last pod, wasn't it? It's, there's, uh, he's got a very preferred position on the pitch that he likes to shoot from and has good success with. And it is that cutting in on his left foot and curling it into the far corner. And he's, he's done it with a plum. But there's still other opportunities, even today, like that were admittedly not, not easy ones, but chances where he wasn't in that position, but was still in a position to score and he didn't execute them. He had four shots today and only one of them hit the target, which was that one. Um, there was one where he was really stretching and it would have been difficult to say that, that he should put that away because he was really on the stretch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to say we predicted it, but we predicted it. I think it's funny <laughs> that I almost look at finishers with Bowen now and say, if you could give me Bowen in front of goal with the ball coming back at him from a rebound, or you could give me Bowen 25 yards out yeah. on the right, I'd probably opt for 25 yards out yeah. on the right. Also, it's going to bring it Bowen! Brilliant for West Ham. There was a 
so in terms of performances, we were, we kind of picked out four. I mean, Bowen today was fantastic, Jack. Energy, uh, just everything you love about the bloke. Just uh, sprinting out to press um, in the in the first half an hour, doing all of Antonio's pressing, and then and then them combining after that to to press really energetically. Um, his runs in behind were a little bit <laughs> a little bit sketchy at times. I think he had three consecutive offsides in about yes. five minutes. I, um, I, I, they they did they gave Antonio the blame for the offside, and I think that was mainly Bowen for not a he had one player to do on a line with and still somehow managed to not work out not to go <laughs> also just ran in a straight line whereas if he moved off to the side you create two two lanes instinctively not a striker yeah. but oh yeah yeah and also he looked he looked dangerous again jack as well I, I, look he is really dangerous when he's on it he's on it and he's such a difficult player to deal with and if he had a touch more composure in the box he would be a serious problem for this league mm-hmm. um he did have you know two more chances i know one was on the stretch but he had another chance where he was through 1v1 with mendy and he blazed that over um but yeah just really wonderful kind of energy throughout and 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 that's all you can ask from for someone when we're playing a counter-attacking system and you're playing sort of a a second striker position if you if you're going to get about hassle people get on the last line make runs in behind all game long then you're doing a wonderful job and he did a brilliant job of that today the, the another one and I, I will go back we've just go back to you Cannon. we've we've been hard, as harsh as we can be on him for that goal probably we've examined that but Diop's return a success today yes yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching him today. Um, I think he, we've we've been saying for a while now we'd like to see him in instead of Dawson because he will offer us something more in in build up and possession. And it's going to be Dawson. He's replaced him at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's it. But um, yeah, today today he just proved it perfectly. He had the highest pass success rate on the whole pitch, ninety four percent, which is exactly what we've been saying we needed from our left sided centre back, and especially today. When Cresswell wasn't there, we didn't we didn't have Cresswell or Ogbonna, and somehow we still managed to create down that side, um, which was brilliant. And after Johnson comes off, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, not not much more else to say really. I just thought defensively he was solid. He didn't. I don't. I didn't think he was exceptional. But again, as we said before, like that's kind of what you want from your centre back. Uh, it p- maybe helps that he was in a three for a lot of it. That sometimes does, but. Um, I thought even after Zuma went off and that part where we played in a four, he still looked assured. Um, yeah, no complaints. And I hope that's enough confidence. Uh, it gives Moyes enough confidence to trust him a little bit more because, well, he's going to need to now because <laughs> Zuma's out. He's going to get the next game. Yeah. It? So, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We, we, we've mentioned kind of Antonio. And was that, a, that was a proper Antonio performance kind of last 60 minutes, second half, Jack. That was a proper return of, of what he had. From minute 30 onwards, the guy was unbelievable. And, and in the way that he can be, just knocking centre-halves off the ball. Um, I, I think my favourite was the run in behind where he's 1v1 with a centre-back and he just like throws his body yeah. in, knocks, I can't remember who it was, off the ball and just drives in field. Just when, he's, when he gets back to doing that um, and using his body really well, making runs in behind and causing problems, uh, particularly um, out of possession, by scaring people because he's a scary bloke. If Bowman's running at you, you might feel a little bit more confident about keeping the ball. If you've got Antonio charging at you full pelt, it's a different story. Mm-hmm. So when he's doing that, it just causes this sort of unsettled thing in the opposition defence and midfield that really helps our, our the way we play so much. 
Um, so yeah, he was he was very very good. The only the only thing I really didn't like in that period of the game was when <laughs> we, we were managing things quite well, and he just decided to charge back and um, push someone over, just on the edge of the box, shoved someone yeah. over on the edge of the box. Yeah. And it was just like I really like the fact that you've got yeah. back into pressing and yeah. you realise how much you're helping. But don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good. If you're going to do this preserving your energy thing, do it by not coming back and being a bull in a china shop in your own defence. They're quite quite settled there. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah, there's a, there's a chaos factor that he brings. I think what what the first half an hour, my, my, my opinion was basically that Christensen knew how to play against Antonio. And every time Antonio tried to back in, he just moved out of the way so that yeah, Antonio yeah, yeah. couldn't back in and then lost all balance and couldn't be bullied. And... I think he, I think he either learned from that or something was said, and he he didn't seem to pin himself on Christensen anymore. Whether he'd decided oh, I'm going to test the the weedy little, I think that was pretty much it. He probably looked at the the weakest one in theory, and then yeah. realised that brains sometimes beats brawn. <laughs> yeah. um, the and the other standout, I think, tactically wise, is what Sufal has brought back in the last few games, and I think. He, probably doesn't stand out as much against Brighton because of the negativity around the result, but it would today. Yeah. Jack again. Uh, well, he's just brilliant, isn't he? 1v1 defensively, fantastic. He blocked so many crosses today. Um, got out and blocked. I can't. I don't know what the numbers are, but he te- seemed from from a fan's perspective in the ground, seemed to be constantly getting out and, and blocking crosses or making tackles before crosses came in. And, um, and yeah, like we said a, a little bit earlier, getting up onto the last line in a way that Johnson won't do. He's got that that slight positional indiscipline, but does it perfectly. He chooses his moments perfectly um, where he just drifts out of right wing back and goes into a sort of striker position or right wing position or an attacking midfield position and adds, adds a body where we really need one. Um, So yeah, he was, he was, he was fantastic throughout. And I think we look so, I mean, I, I I keep saying this, I love Johnson, but I think we look so much better with, with Sufal in the side on that side. It's the it's the attacking balance, isn't it? And the confidence on the ball that seems to bring confidence to the others who maybe are less, yeah. I've said the word confident too much, but who are less naturally confident on the ball. They have that option, which is always available to them. It's almost like the way Lanzini can help you in the middle. Sufal seems to help mm-hmm. on that side. Johnson has got a lot of good quality. It feels like, it feels harsh at the moment because we're talking about how great Sufal was as if Johnson hasn't been, but yeah. he's a young young fullback who hasn't got time to re- hasn't got the experience Sufal has in knowing when his moments are knowing his game as yeah. well. I suppose that's that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it I think every, we've all we've all said that how great Johnson is defensively but I don't think like Sufal's as good as him defensively and better attacking so it's kind of it just seems to be a logical decision to just play him because it's not like you're sacrificing defensive competency by having Sufal in he's no. he's He's still a great defender, but he's fantastic one. Brilliant at crossing the ball. (laughs) Yeah. So Brighton, which was a a, just a hard game to watch. It felt felt like a game we were in, but we weren't leading. Uh, Well, we led the game for a very, very long time. Clever corner routine. I will give Suchek not leading as in carrying on, but leading the game. Certainly two different things. Uh, Suchek, I would give Suchek a lot of credit for that goal before we kick off a video because I think he knows he has to make the faintest of touches from yeah, where he header. is to do that. And I think it's, I don't think that's an accident. I think that's a gloriously clever header that's going to go under the radar. And then there is oh, 80 minutes of Brighton having a lot of the ball. And then there was a switch to a back five of Mass Rock who came on. We were trying to pre- really protect the lead, Jack, and did the opposite, I guess. 
Yeah, well, I will finally rest when the days of bringing Masuaku on to shore it up at the back are over. This is exhausting. I don't know how many times now we've seen different managers um, look at sort of last 10 minute windows of games and go, you know what, I'm going to bring on the defender. I'm going to bring on Masuaku. He's probably the least reliable 1v1 defender to bring on um, in a situation where you want to um, stop crosses into the box. And yeah, obviously that's exactly where the goal comes from, him completely failing to do the main thing he was brought on to do. And again, people have come out on Twitter and said, well, look, he was good on the ball. I don't think he was that bad. That's not what he's there to do. Great. He might do a bit of fancy stuff on the ball. He might be press resistant. The main reason he's there with 1-0 up is to stop them from crossing the ball into the box. It's his fault. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we, I mean, Lamptey not starting felt like a really big boon. They brought him on and the lad, I mean, he's, he, he reminds me more of Aaron Lennon than a defender at that point. He seems to be tormenting down the side. And he, you look at, you do think, wow, that's their best attacking threat is that side. What we need is someone who can't really concentrate to come on and stand in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's harsh because Matchbox said a good game today and you do see the positive. But when it is, I guess your argument is that you're bringing him on to do just a defensive job, that actually you're taking away most of his strengths and you're yep. just asking him to do something he's going to be weak at. So I, yeah. I reckon almost you could argue, argue four nows is probably a better defender in that situation. I just think the switch to about five is the most strange thing because Brighton had gone down to 10. Uh, well, that's point. it, yeah. And we've contained them pretty, like, they obviously dominated possession, but I, th- I feel like we contained their actual threat relatively well. They weren't the really creating the shape. Much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there wasn't any danger. So, to switch it up, again, we talked about it, and logically on paper, it made sense. I can see it's like a FIFA move, isn't it? Like, oh, but let's revert, let's get about five more bodies defensive. He's got ultra defensive. Yeah, but even <laughs> today, like, Masuaku, yeah, he scored the winner. It was great, but he he did let in a lot of crosses into the box again. Like he wasn't great defensively today. He was, it's just, he was good at attacking, but yeah, it was just annoying. Um, it was a good cross. Oh, my earphones just falling out. Uh, it was a good cross from Lamptey, but um, yeah, just silly, just silly from Moyes, I think. I, I just, my, my main thing would be, we were disrupting them fairly well and they've gone down to 10, which means the main thing you want to do is to press them in the midfield because they've got one less body. <laughs> Why would you take a body out of the midfield area? It's interesting to think when, when certainly when is Noble going to play in the league, if not them, but when is Kral going to play in the league? If it's not, right, we've yeah. got an extra man. We're trying Because maybe the best way to stop Lamptey is to stop the supply of the ball being so easy to, to Lamptey. And Kral's, mm-hmm. a, I mean, a, he he made his name being a defensive midfielder who comes in and fills these gaps. Yeah, and by the way, Rice and Suchek were absolutely knackered uh, uh, for the yeah. last 20 minutes of the game. And Rice was doing these wonderful, like, crazy dribbles forward and picking out these brilliant passes. And then it would go to the defensive phase and he was just like, Dead, mm. standing with his hands on his knees. There was, the, the attack certainly, certainly didn't work. I think that's almost... Almost, you could argue maybe we let in that goal because our defensive midfielders are so tired from doing the attacks work for them as well. And certainly near the end when Deck did that run where he ran around about three or four of them, cut a ball blind pass. Yeah, there was a blind pass. He did one at one point. Someone came at him and he just did a little dink, flick it up over the foot. He was in terms of you know being a bit of a baller. That was a game where he really did. There was a the pass to Bowen which gave Bowen a big chance absolutely gorgeous um but yeah didn't have the legs at the end there also the goal i i was furious with craig dawson on that callum who i felt got bullied by a small angry troll striker (laughs) yeah pretty much that's exactly it it was it was poor defending from him and like we say for for a defender who we basically 
Harold as being ridiculously imperious in the air. Like that's the one thing he's notoriously good at is heading balls away. And it was just a nice little floated cross into the box and this little French shitbags just battered him and like managed to score some it wasn't like well it was a great finish I'll give it to him but it's almost like he fell backwards and hit it like he just yeah it was it. it's a great finish slow bad kick in the last it minute. was a great finish it was a great finish yeah the but he shouldn't be able to do it it was, he shouldn't, shouldn't be, be allowed to do, to do that it's not like those just crouch got in ones there. if I weird that uh, when I come to think of these acrobatics the crouch ones come to mind the carol ones as well where you're standing position and then you do it he'd maneuvered his body and bullied Dawson yeah. back. And it's hilarious in a way, having watched when Dawson today, when he had Lukaku on him in the Chelsea game, loved the strap. He obviously does, doesn't like to be a bully, Craig Dawson. He's clearly his problem. And, and Morphe's a bit too bit too short for him to do it on. And they, I suppose the other problem, we didn't, we didn't create, we created, we had moments where we created, but we weren't great in the build-up either. It didn't seem like we were, we were our best in terms of how we played our attacking game, Jack. Uh, again, lack of left foot on the left side being a huge issue here. The, the, the first phase of the build-up was an absolute nightmare for most of the game. And then you're asking Antonio to do something that he's not great at. It's you're just punting balls into him. Um, and the midfield's kind of disconnected from him. You're saying, yeah, can, can you hold up? Maybe roll your man and then spin and then run in behind as well. And, you know, so a bit, you're asking him to do way too much. Um, admittedly, even if you're asking him to do way too much, he was still terrible at, be, at doing any of the things that he was asked to do throughout the whole game. It was a really, really, really poor performance from Antonio. Um, and then Ben Rama as well. Um, just, I mean, it was, this is one of the worst performances I've seen from him this season. Um, and maybe even across last season as well, just gave the ball away so, so much. Um and I don't, you know, I don't think Antonio helped. There was one example that um, kind of summed it up for me where it was where you kind of attribute equal blame where we were on the break and it was sort of a 2v2 and Antonio just goes too early and we had the ball mm. in our own half and he could have just stayed in our half and therefore been onside. But he ran into the opposition half and it meant Ben Rama couldn't pass to him. So then Ben Rama had to try and dribble past two people. But then he made a complete hash of that. He did like two step overs and just ran into the first defender. And it was, you know, you're looking at both of them and thinking, this is just like a it's Keystone Cops. What's going on here? It's really simple attacking principles and you're just completely getting everything wrong. Passing was, I mean, I don't think you, you'll have many games where, I mean, Fournau's passing success was about 67%. I think Ben Rama's 54. Yeah, 54 is terrible. <laughs> that is, I mean, one in every two passes should not be going awry that is quite bananas even Rice was 77 Suchek 62 yeah you look at a team who couldn't I mean Brighton for what they do and there was there's one moment in particular where Zuma got absolutely caught by about two of them swarming him down the central they do make it very very difficult but we have players who can deal with that so it was odd to see them completely kind of fail to I guess I mean the other question is 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 that poor was that poor management or just a poor performance or a mixture of both jack both for me i mean the thing that was bemusing for me is not taking ben rama off like watching the game this bloke is one in two passes as you've just said are going astray you've got lanzini sitting there <laughs> who's one of the best and most consistent passes will really protect and look after the ball for you and you're like no nah, just leave ben rama on for way 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 too long that's very strange. And then taking four nails off was strange to me. I don't, I think four nails was playing all right. He had a good game. And I just couldn't understand why he would take four nails off at that point. I, th- I don't know. I just, I just thought 
I didn't think we managed the game very well at all. Um, and it's important to say Brighton are very good. They press very hard. It's very difficult to deal with. Basuma was outstanding. I thought mm-hmm. Basuma was just unreal throughout the whole game. But um, but yeah, you, we need to do what we we were doing better. So performance not good enough. And then managing um, in game after all the praise I've given him for Chelsea, just come kind of abandoned post and did the same sort of slowness to react thing here. Um, when I think, you know, Lanzini probably could have come on at half time even or you know, 50, yeah. 55 minutes into the game. Yeah. Well, we saw the impact today, didn't we, of bringing in Lanzini and creating a midfield three. And I, I, you can't yeah. help in retrospect looking back and thinking they were absolutely dominating possession. They were pressing us ridiculously. They pressed, I think it was seven passes per defensive action which is more than City so they pressed us more intensely than Man City did Yeah, and if you bring Lanzini on and create that three-man midfield like we did today we saw how effective that was and how much time it bought us in the middle of the park so yeah it was just annoying and when he did come on he did look great again which is why he ended up starting today because his energy and his ability on the ball were, were once again shown to be brilliant kind of disappointing as well that like Brian were able to to make such a bold such bold decisions in game Potter was able to basically go to a back four with Lamptey and Kukurea and they're both playing on the wing basically so he's just got yeah. two at the back so you're playing the, the classic City 2-3-5 the fact that we mm-hmm. didn't get any change of them down the out of them down the flanks is just strange because they're so exposed and they're not the quality the individual quality is not there you know with City it's Diaz and Laporte covering those spaces that's a problem here it was yeah. l- literally Shane Duffy trying to cover all of that space <laughs> yeah. behind Lamptey. How have you not exploited that? That is unforgivable. So we have we have a quick look then, and it's hard to go into detail on Dinamo because the game is going to be. We don't have anything to play for. I suppose all we know, Jack, is that they they need they need at least a point probably to win this, and so they're going to be sending sending a strong team. We, I presume, will be thinking this is a great chance to rest a lot of players i kind of hope that we do look at it like it's a bit of a free hit and a chance to rotate massively i just think we've got so many games coming up particularly with the the quarterfinal league cup quarterfinal as well um i tend to to not be on this side of things i tend to say i think we should play first teamers because momentum etc but here we've just had a i assume a pretty exhausting game for the team against chelsea especially with all the injuries um so I would I would hope um, that we see some of the youngsters and, and, a, and a chance for some people to impress. I, it will be tough though, like you say, because Dinamo will probably put out their their, their first string and, and really be trying to get a result. Well, they need to get a result, so um, so it could end up being a pretty significant mismatch squads wise. Anyone you're looking at hoping play? Callum, I assume we we've seen Perkins much more pitched. Sonny Perkins in first team training. Harrison Ashby was on the bench yeah. today. Um, <laughs> Any, any, do you think they'll flood in any more youngsters? Obviously, we're probably looking at having two uh, two most senior centre-backs injured. We might not want yeah. to risk a third one in a nothing game. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I would expect. There's lots of talk about how good Alicia and Batista are. So I wouldn't be surprised if if we see one of them, at least given, the, given what we've seen today with Zuma and stuff. Um, and I know, I think, it, is it Alicia or Alessia? I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it, but he's scored. But it's definitely Baptiste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, fair play. Uh, but he scored a ridiculous solo goal yes, for the under 23s yeah. this weekend yes, where he basically yeah. ran through the whole team. So I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe see him. Uh, Tough for him, think... but that says nothing about how good a defender he is. <laughs> oh, no, not <laughs> no. at all. Um, no, that is the problem with youth football at times, isn't it? 
But I think, yeah, if ever there was a chance to give him a shot, then now now is the time. We, we need to protect what centre-backs we have left uh, and make sure they don't go out and play and get injured in what is essentially a nothing game, for us at least. I'd like to see. I'd like to see Ashby. I'd like to see Kral and Noble as well. I can't see why you wouldn't play the two of them. Yeah, yeah. I think Elise is probably the shout in terms of coming in as a centre-back because um, Baptiste has definitely got a higher ceiling. Uh, than, than Elise, but Elise is probably more ready uh, to play at, at the level. Um, yeah, and so also think... if it works, it's perfect. It's the antidote almost. Because we need a left. <laughs> we need a left-footed centre back who can play the ball, and he's a left-footed centre back who can apparently play the ball brilliantly. So if, yeah, yeah. if it works, then it could be a lucky charm for us, really. Yeah, uh, I think ho- hopefully we see Ashby. Um, uh, I don't know whether Chester's gets a shout here, uh, but it'd be nice. Yeah, he's made a picture. How many can you play, I suppose, before you're just making it a development game and it's a bit silly? I don't know where you're... Mm. I, I, what's interesting to me is which... I, I assume they won't play Elise and Baptiste. So it's which no. centre-back, you know, plays... I'd assume Diop because of lack... He's had far less game time than Dawson over the... Yeah, but also then you kind of look at Dawson as being the one who could be the talker and the one to yes. mentor yeah. a, a young centre-back. Yeah, you're right, yeah. And help a young centre-back through the game. Um, I would hope Diop as well, but that that, that feels a bit scary, the idea of yes. Diop having to focus on his own game and help a youngster through a game. <laughs> uh, there's a lot, of, there are a lot of reasons to be fearful of Diop having to concentrate on two very big shots. <laughs> <laughs> Go there, but the ball's near you. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> a glamorous European game to the most glamorous place and most glamorous team England, it's Sean Dyche's Burnley. Um, it's, uh, tactically, this must be one you can kind of, you know you're, you know you're simple, <laughs> you, 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 what you're expecting from Burnley. They play pretty much the same way, regardless of what they're, who they're playing against and what they're doing. They're going to they're gonna be, they're gonna be hard work, and they're certainly going to test Issa Diop's main weakness of the ball being quite high, Jack. Uh, yeah, but then also I think that Diop and Dawson have managed quite well against some big strikers um, in the Europa League. Um, so I think I assume it will be those two together. And I quite like the idea of those two together against Burnley, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm not too worried about the defence. What's more interesting to me is how you set up the midfield um, mm. and, and what you do to try and unsettle because they play this such like structured 4-4-2 system, which is difficult to break down. I mean, we defend in that way sometimes and it's really, really tough to get through. Um, so what will be interesting is how we set up to try and unsettle their midfield area and to create space for our creative players. Um, and we did a really great job of it last season by playing Lanzini in a deeper role. He featured a little bit um, there against Chelsea. So maybe that's what we'll see against Burnley. I'd quite like to see that. Yeah, I expect us to do that, to be honest. I think we mentioned it on the last pod about our struggles breaking down teams that defend pretty deep and quite compactly. And I think we've seen today how effective Lanzini can be in that role. So I think that should really be all Moyes needs to to give it a go. I think we're expecting Cresswell, who's been in light training before this game this weekend anyway, Cresswell straight back in. Yeah. So far, so far on the right. Yeah. 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 Are you going... More standard four two three one again, or maybe four three three if we're talking Lanzini, four nows and Bowen and Antonio and Ben Rama on the bench. Uh yeah, pretty much that. I would go with that team and I would play it more as a four three three with Rice as a sitter and with yeah. Suchek and uh Lanzini um ahead. Yeah, I completely agree. I've not asked you to predict the 
Dynamo game because it's almost ridiculous because you've got nothing yeah, to go on. Yeah. But on Burnley, what what are your thoughts? What you where are you? Where's your positivity for me, Jack? Um, I think if Cresswell comes back in um, and with Diop playing on the left side and if Lanzini plays in a deeper role, then I'd really like the idea of like dominating possession against them. And if Antonio can continue the form that he showed in the last 60 minutes against Chelsea, I'd give us a really strong chance of, of winning that game. They've not been terrible this season. They've been quite good and quite exciting going forward. But um, you, you told me earlier that Corne um, has picked up an injury uh, today. So if that if he comes out of their team and they lose one of their main attacking threats this season, I don't think they've been quite as good at the back uh, this year. So I, I would be hopeful that we can get three points there. No, that, that loss today puts them joint on 10 points with Norwich and Newcastle in the bottom three. Obviously, they've got a game in hand because they had the game called off by snow. Uh, Callum, away, away in Burnley on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> not for me thanks um, but... <laughs> I'll be there yeah but, um, is that not yeah. an Airbnb trip with a girlfriend <laughs> um, yeah three points for me I think I think that should be obviously the target I think we're more than capable of it and I think today's performance should really be the flame um, back after what has been a pretty difficult run of games for us I think morale would probably have understandably have been low particularly after the Brighton game um, and hopefully this will really fire them up to go and stamp some authority back on well I mean the position we're in the table now as well like it's slowly becoming more and more of a possibility that we actually could get top four as long as we carry on and we have to beat the teams that we should be beating to be able to do that we can't afford to carry on dropping points to winnable games well, that's that's kind of all the stuff on the on the actual football. There's a transfer rumours. The big one this week, if we look at focus on one, has been Nathan Ake. I'm going to say Nathan Ake. It's Nathan Ake, Jack. Yeah, yeah. it's not Nathan Ake or Ark. Nathan Ake. Uh, he's been kind of well. He's almost been permanently on the bench at Man City since they bought him. It's, it's he's never really had any time to run in. Um, what what are your thoughts on him? Quite short for a centre back, I suppose. In a in a David Moyes team, it feels he's my height, and I don't feel like I'm tall enough to play defence, <laughs> let alone the whole footballing ability that really lets me down as well. <laughs> yeah, that was probably my biggest surprise to see him linked. Um, he's only five foot ten, which really does not scream David Moyes centre back at all. But uh, looking at his numbers, it has actually got me really excited about it. Like we've been crying out on this podcast for a few weeks now about how desperate we are for a left-sided centre-back with a left foot that can play the ball. And Ake ticks all of those boxes. Um, He's got 94% passing success rate, um, which is exactly what we need from a centre-back. I think it's something like 96, no, 91% forward passing as well. And a 70%, 76% defensive dual rate. So perfect. And I was actually quite surprised to see that he's got 67% aerial rate. As well, which for someone who's five foot ten, really and he's having five aerial duels per game as well, and he's more more than Ogbonna, so you know someone may must have a great leap on him. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm all for it. He's also got pretty good recovery pace as well, which is something that, depending on who's playing, we often lack. Um, so yeah, I'm, it gets the seal of approval from me. I think he'd like the chance to to kind of get going again. Um, mm. 
because he's he, he's gone to City. I, I don't know whether he would have thought himself that he was going to get game time, but I, I assume that he would have wanted to continue on the trajectory that he was on. And it's just kind of stunted and, and, and he's not really done very well when he's come in at Man City either. There's um, been a lot of criticism for him um, when he has um, played for Man City. My only issue with this transfer is what there is no pressure on to City to sell. And if you're in two European yes. competitions, you want four centre-backs. So unless yeah. City have a plan to bring another centre-back in, I'm not sure I can see a way that we can, certainly can't see a way that we'd agree a loan deal. And then the, the fee itself would probably have to be huge, no? Yeah, I do. I do. It's my, my, my main concern was when they, they, they did throw a lot, of, was that 40, 40 odd million or? Yeah. It was a big transfer and I, I don't see us having the money to, well, invest heavily. It depends. It depends if we really feel like we're going to take the plunge on it, I suppose. It certainly doesn't feel like one they're going to say, oh, we'll let you have him on loan unless they have confidence in such younger defenders. He's on the bench at the moment for them. Is he, is it, could he, is he good enough to play left back in a pitch, do you think? He plays left back pretty regularly for City. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder whether that's also a, a view that you could, you could maybe transition him out to left back. Well, we know Moyes loves versatility. He loves his players to be able to play in a number of positions because it allows him to keep a small squad, which he, which he enjoys because it's easier to manage less characters, basically. Um, so, yeah, if he can get a player that can come in and cover left-sided centre-back and left-back, then that's it's a, it's a win for Moyes. It's good, good economics. If you spend, Well, I was going to spend 15 million on a left-back. I was going to spend 20 million on a centre-back. So if I could do 25 million on both <laughs> at the same time, bosh, jobs are good at Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think I've got a seal of approval from your Knees Up Mother Brown podcast team and that should probably put a seal on our podcast and we can end it there. Thank you, gentlemen, uh, on a wonderful day where we have beat the league. Well, were the league leaders, now the team just above us in third place, as things stand, I believe. 1-3-2 from 2-1 down. Can't have a better Saturday really from there, can you? Uh, and that is all from us. Until next time, good night. Right, so we're here in the offices of a late late show with the host of a late late show, James Corden. Hi. Big West Ham fan. Yes. <laughs> big knees up Mother Brown man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm regularly on the general discussion page. There's always someone who's got some information, so I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yes, it's Find excitement it. surrounded by imminent disappointment. <laughs> that's what it that's what it mostly is. Get on the forum at KUMB.com. Come on, you irons. <laughs> <laughs>